Praise the Lord. Welcome in everyone to another Sword of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. And as always, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our kind and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this another privilege, dear God. Lord, to uh, be used of you, dear God. And Lord, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for all your wonderful gifts and your blessings that you've given to us. For Lord, for keeping us safe, dear God, and just giving us uh, life and health, dear God, and just being able to do the things that we do. Lord, I just thank you so very much. And God, I thank you for this podcast. And God, I ask, Lord, that you will bless it. Use it for your glory, dear God, for the uplifting of your kingdom. Lord, that someone may be helped in some way, dear God. God, I thank you and I praise you for the knowledge you give me, the understanding and the wisdom that you give me. And Lord, just help me to use it, dear God, for for the good of the kingdom. In Jesus' sweet name we pray. Amen. We are going to be in Joshua chapter 20. Um, We... uh, uh, have gotten through all the Israelites and sitting out their uh, inheritance of where everybody is going to be. And uh, now then, uh, they're going to set up the cities of refuge, and we're going to set up the cities for the Levites. Uh, they, you remember, they uh, they have no they have no inheritance uh, with the Israelites of the land. But they are going to, God did provide for them cities uh, and suburbs and places for them to live so that they can, uh, they can do their work that they do, which is ministering to the people, ministering to the tabernacle and, uh, and to the priest. So uh, Joshua chapter 20, the Lord also spake unto Joshua saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for you cities of refuge, whereof I speak unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he that doth flee unto one of these cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city unto them, and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Now this is, you know, if, uh, if we go back in, I believe it was in Numbers, where we talked about uh, God uh, telling Moses he was wanting him to set up cities of refuge. Uh, if any man had uh, killed someone by accident, unaware, you know, he, he didn't hate the person and, and he wasn't trying to kill him. It was just an accident that happened and, and somebody died. Uh, then this, the person that was uh, involved in the, was there with the person when he died, he was to go to a city of refuge. And when he got to the city of refuge, refuge he was to stand just inside the gate and uh, at the entering of the gate and he was of the city and he was to stand there and the elders would come out to him and he would uh, plead his cause and declare his cause and tell him exactly what he's doing there and exactly what happened. And when they find out that it was 
one of those things where that it, it could not be could not be uh, avoided. Uh, it was just a freak accident of some type. Then they would take him in, provide him a place to live, and he would live there. Now he would live there, uh, and he would still have to go to court and everything. But he would he when after court was over with, he would go back there, and he would live there till. Uh, for a, well, we'll get on into that in a minute, but he was to live there for a, a period of time. And eventually he would be able to go back to his own, uh, possibly back to his own home, his own land, his own family. But uh, when he's talking about the uh, taking refuge from the Avenger of Blood. Now, the Avenger of Blood was someone that was in that person's uh, family, and if they got to this, got to the one, even though it was not his fault and that the guy, that the person died and the Avenger of blood could, if they got to this person before he got to the city of refuge, they were justified by taking his life. Now then, uh, the Avenger of blood was someone in the person's family that, uh, was killed whether it be a brother, a son, uh, a close, a very close relative, brother, son, something like that, then they, they had the right to take this person's life. And uh, down then, a murderer, now if a murderer went to one of these cities of refuge, he would be held there until that he went to court and if when he was approved to be a murderer in court, then they would take him out and they would stone him to death. He uh, he could not live inside the city of refuge because what he had done, he had done uh, because he wanted to. He had done it willingly. He had um, schemed and he had thought up ways to get rid of this person. And he'd done that. And when he'd done that, he's guilty. So they stoned him to death. Verse 5. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly and, hate, and hated him not before time. And he shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for judgment. And until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days, then shall the slayer return and come unto his own city and unto his own house and to the city from which he fled. In other words, he was going to be held in that city, the city of refuge, until he went to uh, stand before the congregation for judgment. And then somebody would be with him <laughs> And they would know that he was uh, going for judgment. The slayer, the avenger of blood couldn't touch him. And then when they got finished there and they found him that it was not his fault, then they would take escort him back to the city of refuge. And he would go there and he would live there till the priest at that time, uh, the, all the time that the priest at that time was alive. But when that priest died, then he was free. He was free to go and live his life as he was before this happened. 
He could go back to his own, his own uh, family, his own town, his own city, and his own house and his own land. And he, the avenger of blood, uh, could not do nothing to him. But now, if at any time he was caught outside of this city by the avenger of blood then the avenger of blood was justified in taking his life. He had to stay within the, the gates of that city, within the walls of that city. He had to stay inside of it. If he came outside, he was vulnerable to uh, the avenger of blood, and the avenger of blood was justified in taking his life. <clears throat> now, these are the cities uh, that they appointed uh, as cities of refuge. And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee in Mount Neptila, and Sechem in Mount Ephraim, and Kirhath Abar, which is in Hebron, and in the Mount of Judah. And on the other side of Jordan, by Jericho, eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness upon the plain out of the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead out of the tribe of Gad, and Golan and Bashan out of the tribe of Manasseh. There were six of them. So these were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them, that whosoever killeth any person at unawares might flee thither and not die at the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. And these are the six cities that was given out. There was three on one side of Jordan where there was the uh, Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and then there was three cities on the other side of Jordan uh, where the nine and a half tribes were uh, picked out their inheritance there. Now, the God did tell them that uh, later on when they expanded and got bigger that they, they would add more cities of refuge so that a person wouldn't have to go so far uh, when something happened. Now then, we're going to get into the cities of uh, given to the Levites. Now remember the Levites. They are God's inheritance. They are God's chosen people. Uh, they are, God chose them to do the work of the tabernacle, to minister unto the priest, and to uh, minister unto the people. So they and they, they are in line to become priests at some point in time, but they they don't have any inheritance as far as that goes. They didn't they didn't inherit a parcel of land. They didn't in, inherit uh, anything like that. But they did inherit homes, cities for them to live in. Uh, that and they these cities were within each tribe of the children of Israel so that they could minister unto the children of Israel in each tribe. Then came near the heads of the fathers of the Levites unto Elzar the priest, and unto Joshua the son of Nun, and unto the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they spake unto them at Shiloh and in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded by the hand of Moses to give us cities to dwell in with the suburb, sur suburbs thereof for our cattle. And the children of Israel gave unto the Levites out of their inheritance at the commandment of Moses 
these cities and their suburbs. Now the children of Israel gave the Levites out of their inheritance these cities and these suburbs for them to live in. It did not cost them anything. Uh, it was given to them and they lived in it and with the suburbs for their cattle. So they, you know, <coughs> uh, the children of Israel, they had to pay tithes of, uh, well, all the firstborn of their, their cattle and of all their livestock and everything. The firstborn of those went to the, the tabernacle or to the Levites. So this was the cattle that they had, and, and this is what they needed the land for. And if you go through uh, verse 4, all the way through the rest of that chapter, uh, to verse 42, you will find out of all these different cities that they had set aside for the Levites to live in, and in, and in what uh, tribe that they were assigned to. And how many cities were assigned to each um, tribe of Israel and uh, where they were at. Uh, there was, they was a lot of these Levites, and there was a lot of cities. Uh, and matter of fact, in verse 41 of 21, it says, All the cities of the Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were forty and eight cities with their suburbs. So out of the all the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, there was forty-eight cities and their suburbs that belonged to the um, Levites. And it was their land, their homes, their cities to do with as they pleased. And this is where that they they worked from uh, to minister into the tabernacle and to minister unto the people. And they and the Lord gave, uh, verse 43, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore, swore unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies unto their hand, there fell not out of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel, all came to pass. So they're saying right, although from Abraham all the way up to Israel, or Jacob, uh, everything that God had promised all during that time, every bit of it came to pass. Every one of God's promises, it's in this book of uh, in his in his book, will come to pass. Will come to pass. But now understand, we have got to do some work. We have got to trust in God. We have got to obey God, and we have got to follow His commandments and His statutes and His judgment, if we want the blessings that are in God's word. Uh, we can't just live in this thing haphazardly. You, uh, you remember that uh, Moses, uh, well, Moses and uh, Joshua was telling the people, you know, up until the point, up when they got to the point where they was ready to go over uh, the Jordan River, uh, Moses told them, said, and to this point you have, put it my own words, up to this point you have lived, 
you have served the Lord haphazardly. You haven't completely uh, done just exactly what his word says. But now then, from this point on, you have got to follow everything to the letter. Every commandment, every statute, every judgment has got to be followed. You can't pick out the ones that you like and forget about the ones you don't like. You have got to follow each and every one of them if you want to make it into heaven. Now, the Canaan, the promised land, that is not heaven. That is a place in our Christian life to where that we can really get the blessings of God and really get close to the Lord and really uh, do His will and trust in Him. And we are on a very, a very person. We have a very personal relationship with God. That's, I mean, a very, very tight personal relationship with God to where that we can talk to him and he can talk to us and we understand his voice, we know his voice and he helps us and he, he blesses us and, and he uses us. So this is where we're at in the land of Canaan. It's not just uh, a place, it's not, it's not heaven because I have not found anywhere in my Bible that for in order for me to get, when I leave this world in death, I cross over Jordan, as it's put a lot of times, when I leave this world, I die. I have, I have not found it nowhere where I have to fight my way into heaven. When I die, when I close my eyes in death, I'm going to open my eyes in heaven. And if, if I, if I endure to the end, if I, I'm still living a Christian life. When I take my last breath, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to fight my way in there. I have fought the fight all the way up to the point that I close my eyes in death and then my fight is over with. That's when I go to heaven and I go to uh, eternal rest. We don't have to fight anymore. So, no. I'm going to cross over Jordan. I'm going to go to a place in my Christian life to where I am closer to God and God can use me more and I can, I can get in touch with God and I have the faith to realize just exactly who God is and just exactly who I am and just exactly what God can do. There is nothing impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing. I don't care what it is. Jesus proved that when he walked upon the earth because there was nothing impossible with God. He can do all things. Now then, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. I can do all things. Yes, I can heal the sick. I can raise the dead through Christ, not of my own. I can't do nothing on my own, but I can do this through Christ. And now then, the eastern tribes, that's the ones that, that didn't come over Jordan, except for the 40,000 that came over to help uh, Joshua and the children of Israel, the nine and a half tribes, fight and, and take their inheritance. Uh, they're getting ready, getting ready to go back home. Then Joshua called the Reubenites. I'm sorry, chapter 22, verse 1. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I command you. 
Ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren, as he promised them. Wherefore now return ye, and get ye unto your tents, and unto the land of your possessions, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side, Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandment of the law and the law, which Moses, the servant of God, charged you to love your, the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went unto their tents. Joshua Joshua summed it up pretty much right there in a nutshell. But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of God, charged you. Do diligence, take heed to do what God tells you to do in his word, in the law, in the, in the Bible that we have today. Take, do diligently to do everything that that. God says in his word, obey the law, obey the commandments, to love the Lord your God, to love man as, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, to walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. With every fiber of your being, serve the Lord God, do his will, keep his commandments, trust in him, have faith in him, and follow him, and do all you can to be the best Christian that you can be, and follow the God, and listen to him, and we are, we are good, we are good to go. This is what God expects of us. This is what he expects of us. To, to trust in him fully, to turn everything in our lives over to him, everything that we have, just give it all to the Lord. And you know, the, there's only one thing in this world that we own. God owns everything else in this world. There's only one thing in this world that we own, and that's our soul. That's the only thing in this world that we have the authority to say, I give my soul to Satan or I give my soul to Jesus. They, neither one of them can take it from you or will take it from you. Satan could, Satan would if he could, but he cannot. We give it to either one of them, God or Satan. We give our soul to them willingly and we serve that person who is in charge of our soul. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you read your Bible. If you have asked, not asked God to forgive you of your sins, you have not asked Jesus to come into your heart and take control of your life, you have repented from your sins and turned from your sins to sin no more, then you are of your father, Satan. The Bible plainly states that. If we do not do exactly the way the Bible says, then we are not a child of God. So 
you know, we, we really need to do a spiritual soul checkup. And we need to find out just exactly where we are at from the time that we left Egypt on our way to the promised land. We need to figure out just exactly where we are at and what it takes for us to make it into the promised land. That should be our final that should be our final destination on our journey is to make our way into the promised land, that place where God can use us and we are uh, we can talk to God and, and we receive all of his blessings and everything and we have completely and wholly put ourselves in God's hands and are following him and trusting in him. Verse 7, And to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given possession in Bashan. But unto the other half thereof gave Joshua among their brethren on this side Jordan westward. And when Joshua sent them away also unto their tents, then he blessed them. And he spake unto them, saying, Return with much riches unto your tents. And with, ev with very much cattle, with silver, and with gold, and with brass, and with iron, and with very much raiment, divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. Divide. Don't keep everything that God gives you to yourself. Give it to others. The love that you have. The, uh, the companionship. The testimony. Uh, the the will to serve God, uh, finance, uh, money, whatever you have that God has given you, do not be afraid to to share that with your brothers and sisters that are in need. This is this is what God gives us salvation for. This is what God gives us knowledge for. This is what God gives us. Uh, earthly riches for that's what god gives us all this stuff for is not to keep it to ourselves, but to thank him for it and to share it with others share your knowledge with others share the knowledge of where that you were at when you were out in sin and share the knowledge of how jesus came into your life and completely changed your life and and brought you to the point that you are now share this with people Share the, the burdens of your brothers and sisters. Let them know that you're there for them. Not only let them know that you're there for them, but when they call, you need to go to them. Uh, you need to either pray with them right there in, then and there on the phone, or you need to go to wherever they are at and pray for them and, and meet their needs. Just, just, don't make, just don't hoard everything up for yourself. You know, God gave us all this all of our wealth and all of our riches and everything that we have so we can use it for his glory, not our glory. You know, so many times we, uh, we get fine houses and big cars and, and nice clothes and everything like that, and, and it becomes a curse to us instead of a blessing because we, look more to our, we start looking more to ourselves than we do, do to other people. How can I help other people? Instead, instead, we are saying, well, how can I get more money? How can, you know, how can I, I get more power? How can I get more prestige? You know, and that's when those things start controlling us 
and we stop controlling them. So yes, we need to be very careful because even the children of Israel, they get in trouble over that very same thing. They let everything that God has given them, all the blessings that God has given them, they let it become a curse to them and they end up in trouble. So we, we as children of God, we can do the same thing. We can end up the same way. It's, it's just a very, very simple thing to do. Verse 10. And when they came into the borders of Jordan, this is the, the uh, Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. And when they came into the borders of Jordan, they are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see to. And the children of Israel heard say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan in the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go over to war against them. Ain't that just like us Christians? Well, did you see what sister so-and-so was doing? Oh, did you see what brother so-and-so was doing? They don't take the time to find out just exactly what's going on. They don't take the time to go ask questions. They immediately start judgment. They immediately start casting judgment on the people. Same thing happened here. They, these these 40,000 men, right before they went over Jordan, they built this huge altar. Right, um, pretty close to the one that they built when they came out of Jordan. And right before the crossing over. So they built this huge altar. The children of Israel found out about it, and they, they started murmuring, and they started uh, talking, and they started judging. They started talking about the, the 40,000 that had helped them for so long. Uh, they started ridiculing them, and, and before you know it, they had everybody in, on that side of Jordan ready to go out and, and uh, declare war on those 40,000 because they built this altar because they, they said that when they built this altar that they had turned from the Lord and he had went off following other things. And verse 13, And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh and to the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Elzar, the priest, and with him ten princes of each chief house of a prince throughout all the tribes of Israel, and each one was a head of the house of the fathers among the thousands of Israel. And it came, and they came unto the children of Reuben, and to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, and to the land of Gilead, and they spake unto them, saying, Now then, I'm going to stop right there. Now then, right here is where that Elzar the priest he needed to, to go to the children of uh, Manasseh and, and uh, Gad and Reuben. And this is when he should have walked up there 
He should have walked up there calmly, not to judge the people and not to condemn them for what they had done, but find out first why that they had done this. So many times we jump to conclusions when we see things. We don't understand exactly what's going on. We jump to conclusions and we condemn people for stuff that God actually had them to do in the first place, but we condemn them because we don't know what's going on. This is where we need to need to figure out that it's just it's between them and God and it's none of our business. It's none of my business what happens. It's between you and God. And you know, I I there's a lot of people at work. They they some of them really irritates me because it is their life's duty to know everything about everybody in the plant where I walk, work in. You can ask them anything about any person in that plant and they can tell you their life's history. That is their, that's what they do. That's the one thing that they do. And that's, that's basically all they do because they don't work a whole lot because they're wandering around through the plant trying to find out all the dirt and uh, garbage on everybody that they can so they can start spreading it all over. The, and, and people like that irritates me because it's wrong. It's a sin. It is a sin. So if you do it, stop it. Ask God to forgive you for it and don't do it no more. And it is a sin. If you go over into uh, the New Testament, I can't remember now exactly where it's at, and you, uh, the fruits of uh, the uh, works of the flesh, read them. Go look up the works of the flesh and read them, and you'll find out that what I'm saying is true. It's a sin. But they, they had judged these people because of something that they'd done and they did not know why they had done it, so they were ready to go and wipe them out instead of go to them calmly and ask them, what, what, what mean, what, why did you do this? Why, why did you build this altar here? Go calmly. You know, as we, as we go back to the children of Israel, Coming, coming through the desert or through the wilderness, they've done the same thing. They, they get upset and they, they go to Moses and Aaron and they, they, I mean, they just verbally abuse them and abuse God because that something that they wanted and they, they had not. See, the thing about it is, is when we get these things in our minds, we have a tendency to not react on them when we first think about them like we should. We wait and we think about them and, and we, uh, we run all the different scenarios of the different outcomes and everything. And, and uh, every one of them that we run is, is not to our liking. So we, we get madder and madder and madder till finally when we do go to talk to the people, we are... Uh, angry and we're upset and we're uh, throwing accusations around and everything when we should do this calmly like the daughters of uh, the one guy that passed away and didn't have any sons they went calmly to Moses asked Moses a question Moses did not honor the answer to the question but he said I will find out 
and he found out and he found out some other things also that went along with that and he went back and told them and they were happy everybody was happy nobody got mad nobody got upset nobody died so you know we we have a tendency to to throw around accusations when we first ought to ask questions as to why and when all this started going on uh the priest should have went to the priest and Joshua should have went to these uh, Gadites, you know, the Get, uh, tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben and Manasseh, and asked them, "What are you doing? Uh, why, why did you do this?" And that would all have been all you had to ask. But since everything had blowed up in the Israelites in the land of the Israel, this is what happened. And they came in verse 15, and they came unto the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and to the half tribe of Manasseh and to the land of Gilead and spake with them, saying, Thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord, What trespass is this that ye have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord? I mean, come on. They built an altar. Ask them what it's for before you start accusing them of it in that ye have builded you an altar, that ye might rebel this day against the Lord. Is the iniquity of pure too little for us, from whence we are not cleansed until this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that ye must turn away this day from following the Lord, and it will be, seeing ye rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be wroth with the whole congregation of Israel, notwithstanding, if the land of your possession be unclean, then pass ye over into the land of the possession of the Lord, wherein the Lord's tabernacle dwelleth, and take possession among us. But rebel not against the Lord, nor rebel against us, in building you an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing, and wrath fell on the congregation of Israel? And that man perished not alone in his iniquity. You see, they, they went up and they just started accusing him of uh, sinning and completely uh, rebelling against the Lord and they quit following the Lord. I mean, they went plumb, they went plumb out in sin and, and started uh, doing all kinds of different stuff and everything. They had them accused of everything. Verse 21. Then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth, and Israel he shall know. If it be in rebellion, or if it be in trespassing, transgression against the Lord, save us not this day, that we have built us an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer thereon burnt offerings, or meat offerings, or if to offer peace offerings thereon, let the Lord himself require it. 
And if we have not rather done it for fear of this thing, saying, In time to come, your children might speak unto our children, saying, What have ye to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you, ye children of Reuben and ye children of Gad. Ye have no part in the Lord, so shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, Let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generation after us, that we might do the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, that your children may not say to our children in time to come, ye have no part in the Lord. Therefore said we, that it shall be when they should so say to us or to our generation in time to come, that we may say again, Behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, not for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. They built that there as a memorial. They built that there to remind themselves of the Lord. It, it, they put that there to remind them that even though they were not a part of uh, the nine and a half tribes, they weren't with them on the same side of Jordan. They were still a part of them and they still served the same Lord as they did. And they wanted to, they wanted to build this altar to remind their uh, people, uh, remind their uh, children to come to remind them of exactly who they are and who the Lord is and what they should be doing. This was this was not a uh, something to uh, blaspheme the Lord with. This was something to help them to remember exactly who God is and to help them keep their commandments and help them to do his statutes and his uh, sacrifices and his peace offerings and all this. You know, we all... You know, we there's certain symbols in life today that we uh, have that reminds us of, of who we are, reminds us of what Jesus went through for us and reminds us of exactly what he did for us and reminds us of exactly who, God's, who God is. There, there's all these little things, uh, little mementos that, that crop up, the cross, uh, the, the statues of Jesus and the pictures of Jesus and and different things, uh, little sayings that we we uh, frame and hang on our wall. These are all things that remind us of who we are and who we are serving and who our God is. And that was the same thing as to the the children of. Uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, that, that altar was the same thing unto them. It was just a reminder of who they are and what they needed to do to stay uh, serving the Lord and, and to stay in God's good graces and to uh, be, continue to be blessed. They needed that, that one thing to remind them of exactly who they were. But 
all the all the other nine and a half tribes they jumped to conclusions and they started judging them and they went out to the people and they they condemned them and they judged them to their face and now and we do the same thing today we condemn people and we judge people for so many different things listen i used to be the world's worst let me tell you some of the things that i used to t uh, that i used to judge people for tattoos ear piercings long hair the clothes they wear oh I, I mean the list goes on and on because at one point in time i thought i was a child of god and i was perfect well let me tell you something god reminded me right real quick that i am a child of god but i am nowhere near perfect and those people that uh that i was condemning and that i was judging those people can have can follow the same god that i do they can have the same salvation that i do they can they can go out and and minister unto people that i would never be able to talk to and it doesn't matter what's on the outside you know it doesn't matter whether you have long hair or whether you have tattoos or whether you have ear piercings it doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear all that matters is what's on the inside what is in your heart that's exactly what matters today and we as children of god we have got this stereotype thing that we put people in different categories by the way they look the way they talk the way they act the way they dress whether they have tattoos or ear piercings or pierce, body piercings, we seem to put all these people in in different uh, categories. And there's some of them that we as children of God, we do not want nothing to do with because they have done things to their body and they have done things that is wrong and they can't change them and they're going to go to hell because of it. Judge not, lest you be judged by the same thing you judge people by. Let me tell you something. God woke me up real quick, and I had to do some serious asking for forgiveness. It is my duty to invite those people to the Lord. It is my duty to tell those people about the Lord. It is my duty to introduce them to salvation. It's God's duty to take those people and clean them up and make them what he wants them to be and use them the way that he wants to use them. So yes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter whether you have long hair, short hair, no hair. It doesn't matter if you have body piercings. It don't matter if you have tattoos all over you. It don't matter what kind of clothes you wear. It's what's on the inside that matters. And when we get to the point of where that we are like Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are, what you did in past life. It matters at what are you wanting to do at this point in time. It matters about you living for God. It's a, it matters about you turning your heart and life over to Jesus and letting him have full reign of your life. That's what matters. We are... We, we as Christians, we are the world's worst people to judge others and to stereotype people and to not want to deal, do it, to talk to people just because of the way they look or the way they act or the way they dress. God forgive each and every one of us because it's, it's wrong. It is wrong. My Bible tells me to love my neighbor. 
Who is my neighbor? Everybody in the world is my neighbor. And I've got to love them. And let me tell you something. When you get to the point to where that you understand who God is and you understand who is in control of people's lives and if they are doing wrong and they are cursing and they are, are doing all these these things that, are, that you know the Bible says is a sin, just remember if you witness to that person and you get to that person and that person gives their heart and life to God and God comes in, kicks Satan out of their life and he moves in and they, they repent of their sins and, and turn from their sins and follow the Lord, then God can use those people and those people are going to go to the same heaven that you and I are going to. And if you can't accept that, you may not make it in, truly, because we are to love our, our neighbors. We are to love each and every one, no matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like. We are to obey God and we love our neighbors and do everything that we can for them to help them. And that's another thing that children of God, churches, we are letting down on. We are not taking care of the homeless people. We are not taking care of those that are less fortunate. We are not taking care of those that uh, that uh, their finances have gone wrong. We are not taking care of those as a children, as a body of Christ. Those are the ones that we are supposed to be taking care of, and we are not doing it. We are we are failing miserably in every way we turn. And I say we, I mean me. But you know, God knows my heart. God knows my heart, and I will help in any way I can. And I help, I help the best way that I can. But you know, we, we need to have that love. We need to have a love for people when we see them. We don't look at the outside of them. We look at their circumstances and we pray that God will move in their life, move in their life to a, a point to where that he will change their circumstances. He will change their lives completely and he will get their lives together and get them to where that they are following him and bless them and use them in, in a great and a mighty way. That's what we need to be doing. We don't need to be judging them and we don't need to be stereotyping them and we don't need to be avoiding them because they don't look, act, smell, talk, or, or dress like we do. You know, God never kicked nobody out because of those reasons. As a matter of fact, those, those that are less fortunate and those that are in destitute and those that are in need of these things, those are the ones that Jesus came down here to witness to and tell them about a better way. Well, I thank you all for listening. And I appreciate you listening. Appreciate you taking time to tune in and to listen. And I hope you get something out of it. And I hope God blesses you in a great and a mighty way. Until the next time, thank you.